1: And there is literally nothing, no matter how bad you are at it, that's standing in the way except for yourself.
0: My name is Esprit Devorah all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy.
2: Hey guys, my name's Brian Nickerson. I'm guest hosting for Esprit Devora on Women in Tech. I'm really excited to have on the show today a a fellow undergrad, a fellow alumni of the same college. Uh, We both went to Dartmouth. Um, and we're both in a very similar space in terms of YouTube, but Michelle does it in front of the camera here with us today. Michelle Carey, Michelle, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hi everybody. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs>
2: yeah. So share with the folks. Most folks um, maybe have or haven't seen your channel, but kind of give mm-hmm. give just a kind of lay of the land of what what are you, what are you doing right now? What's your what's your show, and um, how, yeah. how, where can people find you?
1: Absolutely. So I have a YouTube channel that is all about overcoming any and every fear possible. Mm. It's really about showcasing women kicking ass. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's about overcoming barriers and that manifests in a variety of different ways. The tentpole show that I do on my channel is called MK Ultra, and it's a series where I train with superhero stunt doubles for a period of time. So, any, name any of your favorite superheroes like Spider Man, Wonder Woman, Batman. I train with their stunt doubles for about a month, and then at the end, we shoot a cinematic fight scene where I play my own version of the character and showcase all the new skills I've learned, whether it's backflipping off a desk or you know, shooting a gun or, like, throwing batarangs, (laughs) (laughs) anything and everything. And that's kind of, like, the peak of my channel. But, you know, that also manifests in other ways. Like, I don't know much about beauty. And so lately I've been learning from beauty professionals how to do my makeup and how Mm. to dress and how to change, you know, overcome those fears of, like, what does it mean to be beautiful and stuff. So there are lots of different ways that I try overcoming my fears. But I basically think critically about the things that scare me the most Mm -hmm. and somehow turn it into a video.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So like fighting Wonder Woman scares you the most? (laughs) I know I'm I'm totally simplifying that, but
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) fighting a superhero. (laughs) Yeah, definitely being in a high stakes situation where I have to perform fight choreography for a camera. That is a high, you know, that's, that's a stressful situation. I wouldn't say that necessarily yeah, scares yeah. I'm, me. The most. I'm, being,
2: I'm being goofy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, back flipping off a desk, that was really scary. Yeah. I was very scared before I did that.
2: Yeah. So the fight work that you do and the choreography, does that stem from something personal? Like were you mugged at some point in time?
1: Yeah. So, um, two years ago, actually, I was mugged at knife point walking home and I had never experienced mm. that type of assault before. And it was a really influential and staggering moment in my life. And from there, at that time, I was actually working at BuzzFeed. And from there, I actually decided that I wanted to learn how to actually fight. You know, what I do on my channel now is choreograph fighting. Um, but then I was like, I need to learn how to defend myself because I've always considered myself like I'm an active person. I am, you know, I, I enjoy working out or whatever. Um, but what I really learned in that experience is that you can be the strongest person in the gym and none of that will matter mm-hmm. if someone has a weapon, you know, aimed at you, I guess. And I really realized that I needed to learn how to actually defend myself and train myself mentally to operate under pressure. Mm-hmm. And so the very first extreme challenge video that I did was with my coworker, Jordan Chaloup and we actually found a UFC MMA fighter to train us for 60 days and we did an amateur fight at the end of the experience and that was you know one of the toughest things I've ever done in my life Mm -hmm. but it really led me on this amazing journey to continue doing these crazy physical challenges we did everything from training with the Cirque du Soleil performers and doing a trapeze act Mm -hmm. in in only one week of training to Racing motocross with one day of training, mm-hmm. um, and I—I I, er, earlier last year I ran a marathon for the first time, and I've never run more than like three miles before <laughs> in my life. So yeah, it it was such a terrifying experience, but it really forced me to just realize, like, man, if I see something I want to do, I better do it because you never know what could happen in your life or when mm-hmm. your life may be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to regret anything. And yeah. I don't ever want to listen to someone who says you can't do that.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. W- what I love about that story, too, and I had no idea you were mugged, actually. I mean, I, I asked that because obviously the, the work that you're doing. Um, but so many times you, you're a piece of inspiration, at least for me, um, in that you take something bad that happens to you and you turn it into this like gift for others. Um, and I think that that's a, a piece of transformative change that you are doing. And then people are like, you're manifesting more of that change in the world, which is just an amazing, cool thing. Oh my God. Well, that's
1: a really nice way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I just feel like I'm having too much fun trying all these things.
2: (laughs) Well, you've also, what I find a little interesting too, you've also chosen a medium that most people would have a ton of fear around, like putting themselves out there, having a recording, um, being, being right. Public speaking. I think there's an old Seinfeld joke that public speaking is actually, most people would rather die. Oh uh, gosh. That, like they have more <laughs> of a fear of public speaking than they do of death. Um, and, and, uh, and you're, you're putting yourself out there right on social, um, and, and, and like living into that fear in many ways.
1: Yeah. It's a very intimate experience that I share on my channel and with the people who tune into my stories. Yeah, And that's because like. I, you know, there are reality shows that cover extreme experiences, but they're all in many ways, like watered down to some extent. They don't show like the true side of things. And on my channel, I really do our best to dive deeply into the details of what it means to become a part of a community that enjoys doing this crazy thing that we're about to do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So what, what fears are you tackling? Is there anything you can share in terms of what's coming up that you're tackling?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So one video that I have actually been wanting to do for probably a year and a half now is finally underway. I, and it's very different for me from any of the other challenges I've done because the majority of my challenges, even though I've done some in the beauty sphere lately, They're primarily physical. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one is I am training with a celebrity vocal coach for 60 days. And at the end, I'm singing in front of an audience and performing an original song that I'm writing with her. Wow. Yeah. So, and this challenge is already very interesting for me and something I'm very nervous about because there's so much criticism around performance based activities. So, Singing, dancing, acting, because those markets are so oversaturated and there are so many talented singers and dancers and actors. Um, So, you know, I think like when you're growing up and you sing something just like for fun and someone says, wow, you're not that great at that. You're never going to continue singing. And so to do that, knowing I'm not a... (laughs) professionally vocally trained person has been something that I have to get over. And I find myself like being so critical of like Mm. the way I sound Mm -hmm. um, because I compare myself so much to these like professional singers and people I hear on the radio. And it's funny because the voice instructor I'm working with is so supportive and Uh like, let's make this about you. Like see anyone can sing with the right instruction and, um, that's something I've really learned along the way is sometimes I put myself in the way yeah. of the things that I want to do more than the actual right. obstacle is. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: That's fascinating. Um, yeah. Cause you, you think of like in, in, in any form of art, right? Like when, when we're all young, basically everyone's an artist. And then as we get older and as we go through, to some extent we go through schooling, it's like, oh no, you're better at math and you're not really that good at this. And it's really a comparison thing. Um, and some of that is true. Like if you're at the very highest level of stuff, obviously you've got to have some talent that you're nurturing and 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 doing. But one thing that comes to mind to me as I hear you explain um, describe this is, you know, so many people get um, get into a lane where basically the only thing they're using is their mind. And and when you're doing these other creative pursuits, it actually makes your mind better um, and stronger, and you're more creative. But you have to exercise that other side, of, that that other muscle. Um, And who cares if, if like, if you're not, you know, Rihanna from day one, who cares? You can still sing and that actually can help you in other areas of your life.
1: Yeah, I love it. I I, I oftentimes will enter... A challenge thinking like, okay, this will be cool because a lot of people want to see me do this And mm. then by the end I've learned something about myself. I would have mm. never learned otherwise.
2: Yeah how, how far into the 60 days are you right now?
1: I think we're we're about 20 days in <laughs> at nice. this point. So um, yesterday I met with my instructor and we officially started writing Okay. The song that I'm going to sing, which again, I, you know, we are writing and I'm like, oh man, like, is this too cliche? Have we heard this too many times? And she's like, who cares? It's your song. It should, it should matter to you. Yeah. And that's something I feel like as adults, we don't get to experiment with. So I'm very thankful for this experience.
2: So is there anything you've learned so far in the first 20 days about, about either like awareness of that fear or how you've helped tackle that fear that would be helpful for other people who are also moving into fearful situations that might be singing related or they might not even be singing related at all. They might be some other situation that they're uh, finding fear around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think something that I have specifically learned from the singing experiment, as well as the others that I've done, is that if you want to pursue something, you totally can. And there is literally nothing, no matter how bad you are at it, that's standing in the way except for yourself. Yes, and the way to get over that is to find a coach or a professional in that arena you want to learn more about that believes in you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think like having that support is so important. And it's a very vulnerable experience to show up to a singing lesson when you've never sung professionally before, or, you know, show up to a fight choreography and you've never done this crazy thing you're about to do and taking that step is so amazing that I applaud anybody who does it. And it's important to have that coach on the other side extending their hand out to you and not shutting you down.
2: Yeah. I think our society creates a construct where asking for help is a sign of weakness when in fact asking for help is a sign of strength.
1: I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree with that. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Because you're actually saying like, hey, I want help. And that help actually exists out in the world. Um, And like, help me get there. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So, so singing is amazing. Is it, do you know what's past that or, or is it, or is that like your yeah. laser focus there?
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, that's what we're filming currently. And I'm also about to start a challenge where, <laughs> oh gosh, this is one I'm actually very scared of. I am training and doing the same nutrition program that the Victoria's Secret swimsuit models do. Wow. For a month. And at the end. I am doing a photo shoot. <laughs> wow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's when I'm very nervous about. Um, but I'm looking forward to that because I, I hope that, um, you know, not only will I improve my own health wow. and fitness in that, but also, you know, I probably won't grow a foot taller to be the same height as <laughs> most yeah. Victoria's secret models or become as skinny. Um, but, following their same process, I think will be really interesting because they are very dedicated to the work that they do. And I really admire that dedication. And I also just want to see if I can do it Mm -hmm. to know that I can. And even if I don't end up looking the same, I did my best and I followed the protocol and that's going to be really cool. And I hope that I find a little bit more of body self-acceptance on this journey too, regardless of how it turns out.
2: That is amazing, because I think when I when I hear that, I'm like, both men and women, I think like body image is a, is a challenge in our society, oh, yeah. but way more for women than for men. Um, just in terms of like the entire construct of the advertising, right? Everything is a lot more about women's bodies than men's bodies. Um, and and that's a source of or can be a source of shame in that same way where you uh, of comparison, as you talked about starting singing, well, I don't sound as good as Rihanna or some some amazing singer. Pick anyone who's a professional. Um, in the same way, you can have those same fears around um, your body, right? I don't look as good in a swimsuit as this Victoria's Secret model. Um, and and changing what I what I hear from what you're doing is changing your relationship to that fear. So you might still be fearful with it, but you can actually move and like play with it instead of just being. I'm fearful of that you guys stay over there like I don't know what that is and I'm fearful of it. Um what an inspiration.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's what <laughs> uh, I hope happens. I hope that I love myself a little bit more at the end of this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and and probably have more compassion for others too because I think within that within the um shame that one can feel there can also be judgment towards model of like oh well she just she just has a great body she it's like easy to do that i think there's some people who who may feel that way yeah um and like you said right they're actually working at it there it's it's a it's not easy there's there's a job that that a model is performing as well where she might get judged around the job that she's doing exactly i'm i'm like almost scared to ask what else <laughs> might be what else feature. i'm doing yeah. <laughs>
1: um what else am i doing
2: not not scared, but these are these are like <laughs> these are re- like you're touching on these like core fears that that people have and young women have. Yeah. And, um,
1: in particular. um, what else am I doing? Well, I'll probably be doing something surrounding Marvel's Avengers in May, so mm-hmm. that'll be fun. I don't know what that will be quite yet, but next week I'm actually doing a video. For the Oscars, not for the Oscars, but (laughs) in celebration of the Oscars, um, where I am going to have to do my own hair, makeup and style myself as if I were going to the Oscars. But as most people who follow me know, I don't know much about beauty at all. So I'm going to have like a hairstylist a makeup artist and a a clothing stylist Mm -hmm. coach me, but they can't assist me at all. Mm -hmm. And I have to do it in the same time constraints that they would preparing a celebrity for the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So like I, I told the girl who's like helping me produce, I was like, if my hair is half down and the dress is half on, I still have to like take the photo at the end. You know, like I have to set those standards for myself. Like even if I fail, it has to be on camera, Yeah. which is a hard thing to do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely another place of fear. So there's much more to being a influencer, right? As for lack of a better word than the social numbers, but just share like kind of what's your following. So folks on the audience who don't know you, you know, have a Yeah,
1: sense. for sure. So, um, about just under a million people follow me across everything. Thank you. <laughs> 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 and, uh, that equates to like about 700,000 on YouTube, 220,000 on Instagram and 30,000 on Twitter.
2: And do you hear, are there stories you hear from your fans? Cause I've, I've seen some of your videos and your fans are like very engaged. Are there stories? Like, do you, is there anything either that comes to mind individually or like collectively in terms of stories you hear of you're embracing your fear, you're inspiring others. That's why you've get, you know, created that following. Are there stories that you hear that keep you going and that are exciting and any that, you know, you'd want to share?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always say that like view count is cool. Subscriber number is cool, too. But if I could just inspire one person Mm. to do something that scares them or to walk outside and go to the gym, you know, that is my everything. And that's what gets me out of bed every day whenever I don't want to do a challenge or like, Oh man, I have to wake up at five in the morning to go to this training. I think about that person who will see the video eventually. And that really like connects for me having that accountability to even these people I don't know personally, but I love, um, getting comments. Like I get comments from, uh, a lot of women saying, you know, this video inspired me to, to do this particular activity that I've been avoiding. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really cool to get comments from parents saying that they (laughs) love it when their kids watch my stuff, which is really cool. Or like sometimes I get comments from, uh, people saying like, I asked my mom if I could go to karate for the first time today. Yeah. And it's like, Oh man, that's so cool. That's, that's, (laughs) that's everything. I wish that I had had the bravery that my fans have Uh to go after their fears, you know, like a long time ago.
2: Yeah. Amazing. So you went to like influencer school to get here, right?
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) I wish. Um, You know, I kind of went to the next best thing, which is I worked at BuzzFeed for about two and a half years. That's my first job. And I think that's the closest thing you can get to influencer school in in some regards. Uh, They don't teach you everything, but I learned a lot there. I learned everything. What a lot of people don't realize about BuzzFeed is that when you start there, you actually have to work in every position on set, sound, Mm. camera, lighting, production assistant, you do everything. And that is a really difficult and very humbling process because I think a lot of people come into the industry in general saying like, oh, I want to do this particular position on set or like I want to be on camera and that's like my goal. And for me, I didn't know anything. I didn't go to film school. Uh, So having to do everything was so hard because most of my peers did go to film school and like knew how to do everything already and it was really easy for them. But I'm really glad for that experience because now as I'm managing my own YouTube channel and we have a larger crew than most of my videos at BuzzFeed did, Mm -hmm. I am able to relate to and speak with the other people on my crew in a way that is more detailed than I Mm -hmm. feel like I would have otherwise.
2: Right. Well, yeah, it's not just turn on the light or turn it off. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's like that looks too daylight or too tungsten (laughs) (laughs) or like, can we reduce the aperture on the camera? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Right. Um, And so Michelle, you were talking a little bit about where you want to go with this work. And some of it is like, as your, as your channel evolves and as your you're already doing some work, I think, with some really big brands. Um, sounds like Marvel, maybe. Um, oh, gosh. Oh, I
1: wish, man. <laughs> um,
2: but but, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of your dreams and where you're going.
1: Absolutely. Um, I have like a couple pipe dreams. One of them is I would love to be involved in a... Feature film or television series. That's an action related thing. Um, I love acting and I love being physical and it seems like the perfect marriage of the two, whether it's stunts or acting doesn't matter to me. I would just love to be a part of it. I would also love to sell a show, um, Mm -hmm. have some of those in the works currently would be the coolest thing ever if they sold or, you know, got to pitch somewhere And, um, I would say that like my third goal is just to continually overcome my fears and to help other people overcome theirs. That's really my biggest thing. You know, again, like the numbers are numbers, but people are people.
2: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think too. Um, and, and and as I said at the top of the show, we share an alma mater of, of Dartmouth college, um, (laughs) (laughs) which is, which is pretty fun. Um, we didn't know each other while we were there. I was probably a little little older. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, there's also a fear. I want to at least like talk about and address because, um, I mean, being an influencer probably wasn't even a job um, when you started at Dartmouth. Is that fair? Or was it like the industry, like that wasn't possible or maybe it was just starting to be possible?
1: I feel like uh, when I was at Dartmouth, I definitely followed a lot of influencers, mm-hmm. but it there was no set path There still isn't, uh, to becoming one. And it seemed a lot similar to traditional Hollywood in that it's like this vague, ambiguous thing where some people get lucky and become famous and other people don't. Um, so it wasn't something that I felt solid about. Um, I didn't feel like it could actually be a true job until I got the job at Buzzfeed Uh where it really was a, you're a YouTuber nine to five. Your video could tank. It could do well get the same paycheck, you know? And that was an amazing experience. Like not everybody gets that opportunity to upload their very first YouTube video to a channel with 5 million subscribers and see instant results on whether or not it's doing well.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, You know, usually the barrier to entry to becoming a YouTuber uh, is very, very high in terms of you have to invest in a lot of equipment. You have to take a chance on yourself. You have to hope that what you're doing works well. And it's, uh, I think it's a nightmare at this point. I don't Mm -hmm. think I would have done it had I not worked at BuzzFeed first.
2: Right. Yeah. Great. Great uh, influencer school, (laughs) (laughs) if you will. Let's spend. I want to spend a little bit of time in the Me Too movement, um, or at least in that conversation. Absolutely. And and right, I'll I'll bring, try to bring some male perspective to it, um, and and support to it. But um, how, how do you think? I'm curious from your perspective um a lot has changed over the last year. Um what are you most optimistic about in terms of that change and what do you think needs to happen that hasn't happened yet or isn't happening as fast as it as it could or should be?
1: I think that the Me Too movement has been spectacular for a variety of reasons. Um some of them are obvious, you know, like it's it's great that people who have done terrible things are are now being called out for it. And there is some amount of justice and fairness being restored to something that has never surprisingly had justice or fairness to it. Mm -hmm. I'm really hopeful that the conversations continue in the future and not just conversations, but actual action and beyond just, you know, getting rid of people who have been problems, but also creating a space where there are more roles for women in Hollywood. There are more roles for people of color because ultimately I think that that will help avoid the problem altogether is if the people in power are the people who haven't been and Mm -hmm. um, the people who haven't had a voice finally do. And that goes in front of the camera and behind the camera. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see more female directors, producers, Um, I'd love to see more movies passing the Bechdel test, which is very surprising that so few movies do.
2: And for folks who don't know Bechdel test. Yeah. The
1: Bechdel test, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's the Bechdel test is a test that you can apply to any movie or TV show. And you ask the question, is there a scene with two or more women in it where they are discussing a subject other than a man? And, like, very few movies actually pass that test. Um, Even a lot of, like, movies this year don't pass that test, which is crazy. Yeah. And personally, like, I I take acting classes, you know, trying to, like, get in that sphere. And we're asked, like, okay, like, here's your scene, partner. Find a scene. And if I'm paired with a guy, it's always a love interest scene or, like, we're brother and sister. Mm. There's no, like we can just be like colleagues and have a conversation yeah. kind of scene. Yeah. And, uh, or at least like I haven't, like we've tried really hard to find those and it's really tough. And then for female, female scenes, it's hard to find a scene that's not talking about somebody else, but like actually about their own relationship, right? which is really weird. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> the things I'm putting together on that, right. It's a fascinating one that the first place where this sort of happened is actually in Hollywood in the industry that's telling stories that in some ways those stories have taught us, or at least they're a part of the milieu of like how to act. Um, And that the first place of that is sort of Cosby and Weinstein are, are like the first place of, of, uh, of fall. And to your point of like, what's the lasting change, I think is, is one of what things you were getting to um, is you have these whole, this whole sort of construct around men like that, um, of enablers or co-conspirators, or at the very least, people who are complacent um, in that conversation, um, and that's the place where um, there's some change happening. But doesn't it feels like in order for this to really have sustaining change, which I think it will, um, but that's a place where that change needs to be is not just hey, there's this one bad apple, we got him out now the movement's over, um, or now now the construct is fixed. But no, like systemically, and I think I think you're talking to to some of those points. Yeah. I guess as someone who's younger, um, at least younger than, than I am, <laughs> um, h- how do you see this impacting like your peers? Are, are people more engaged than possible? Is this, because um, I, I have, you know, female friends who are in their 50s um, for whom this is like, like they grew up in this world. Um, and if you talk with someone who's 13, they might not even know about this world yet. And they're coming into a world where hopefully this isn't going to exist. Or if it does, it's going to be way different um, than certainly it was even two or three years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love the conversations that it's created among my peers. It's been really fantastic to see a lot of my friends using their voice and also writing amazing op-eds for major Mm, publications about their own experiences. And it's just like this really like empowering movement Mm -hmm. that I am really thankful to be a part of, but also thankful that, you know, I have experienced... I would say like fringes of Mm -hmm. those types of experiences, but never something as intense as some of my friends have Mm -hmm. and to be able to support them and also see them find solace and being able to move past that experience is really amazing and healing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is there advice you would give to men around this? Are Are you getting enough support? Like what would you, what would you suggest?
1: Don't do what Harvey Weinstein did is the first thing I would say. Um, I mean, like, I think some things that men can do are just be like more conscious of the small ways that you might not even notice currently uh, that women are not supported around Mm -hmm. you, whether it's how many women are in the meetings that you're in. Mm -hmm. Why are there not more? Do you ever interrupt somebody in a meeting? Don't do that. Um, I think there's a lot of like listening Mm -hmm. that goes a long way. That could could be the most helpful.
2: Yeah, that's great. Um, So we are just about out of time. um, And it's been a a pleasure having you on the show. Once again, for folks, Michelle, share where they can find you online.
1: You can Uh, find me at Michelle Carre everywhere. (laughs) (laughs)
2: and uh are you can fans fight you or is that not allowed
1: currently not allowed (laughs) i don't think we have the insurance for that right now (laughs) i don't want to fight a fan choreographed
2: (laughs) a choreographed choreographed, okay
1: (laughs) that could be a fun thing to incorporate in the future
2: (laughs) (laughs) i love it well uh, michelle it's been a pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much um you're an inspiration you're inspiring others the way you tackle fear um, the way you do, uh, and in, and through your doing, uh, inspires others to follow your track. is is awesome. It's really cool to witness.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I hope everybody has a great day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, so I'm Brian Nickerson. I'm uh, guest hosting. Thank you so much.
1: Woo-hoo! Woo woo.
0: <laughs> Upguard, one of my favorite companies in Mountain View, combines asset discovery, security ratings, and vendor questionnaires for the only complete cyber risk solution. Not only do they keep us safe online, they empower women in tech internally. They focus on hiring female engineers to make sure that we rise to the top. So I welcome you to take a look at their job opportunities from Mountain View to New York, New York to Sydney, Australia. They are a company worth exploring. Their mentorship culture is magnetic. Mention the Women in Tech podcast when you apply just as they celebrate women in tech. We want to celebrate you too. So make sure to let us know when you've reached out to UpGuard and we'll make sure to feature you on the Women in Tech social channels. We believe in you. UpGuard.com. Visit them for yourself. You'll see exactly what I mean. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com. And just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you.